0: Hi and welcome back to the podcast. For this episode, we'll be talking about compounds. What happens when atoms combine? So a compound forms from the chemical combination of two or more different atoms. It may be classified as either ionic or covalent. First up, we're going to talk about ionic compounds. What are ionic compounds? So an ionic compound results from an attraction between a cation and an ion. So I hope you still remember from the previous podcast that when we talk about cations, these are ions that contains the positive charge. Take note when you spell the word cation, the letter T there could denote for it having the positive charge. And when you spell out an ion, the letter N And that word could denote for the ion having the negative charge. Okay, so going back. Ionic compounds, these usually result from an attraction between a cation and an an anion. The attraction between oppositely charged sodium and chlorine, in the case of sodium chloride, forms an ionic compound to form salt or sodium chloride. So an ionic compound assumes a crystalline structure. So crystalline structure is somewhat organized you know, between the uh, between the oppositely charged particles there. So the formula of ionic compounds is written by combining the symbols of the cation and the anion. So an ionic compound is therefore neutral, which means that the cations and anions must combine in a ratio where the total positive and negative charges of the ions sum up to zero. That is very important. Now, writing the chemical formula of ionic compounds is done by setting the charge number of one ion as the subscript of the other ion. Again, take note of this. Writing the chemical formula of ionic compounds is done by setting the charge number of one ion as the subscript of the other ion. So take note. If you're going to picture it out, it starts off as a superscript or maybe a charge exponent. And then... later on it will become the subscript of the other ion now this method is known as the crisscross rule so what is or what are the steps in this crisscross rule so step number one of course you're going to write out the chemical name with space say for example you have aluminum chloride so you're going to separate those first like like write one in the other portion aluminum and then put a uh, space in between maybe and then you put chloride in the other step number two write symbols and the charge of elements of course you're going to write now the symbols what is the symbol for aluminum and what is the symbol for chlorine so for aluminum you have uh, a L and for chlorine you have CL and then you're going to write the charge of the elements so if you have a periodic table with you right now if you don't then I really suggest you grab a periodic table with you right now so okay go on I'll give you five seconds to do it so go on you know grab yourself a periodic table or maybe download an app for that there are many apps now on the App Store and also on the Google Play Store that you know uh, are about predictable or you could just you know download yourself one from Google or buy it's around only 18 pesos here in Tacloban so yeah I don't know about the prices for you know other places so okay I hope you have yourself now a predict table so kind of look at what is the charge for aluminum that should be three plus and then for chlorine that is one minus now, for step number three. Okay, go, just a recap. Step one, you're going to write out the name with space. And then step two, you're going to write the symbols and charges of the elements, okay? That's why we have AL3 plus and CL1 minus. Now, step number three is also very, very important. And many, many of my students in the past have always confused this one. You're going to crisscross. okay? You're going to crisscross it now. What does it mean? meaning that the charge of one ion becomes the subscript of the other ion so say for example okay you're going to crisscross charges as subscripts so the charge three plus for aluminum becomes the subscript for chlorine so that becomes cl3 and then the charge for chlorine which is one minus becomes the subscript for aluminum al so that becomes al1 And now for step four, it's very important of course you're going to combine it now as a formula unit. So just take note that one is usually never shown since the subscript for aluminum is already one, then you don't have really to put one in there. So your final answer should be AlCl3. Okay, that's aluminum chloride. So i hope you're getting it so far but you might ask wait i still don't get it i need another example no worries here's another one let's try it with aluminum oxide okay so step one of course you're going to write the names with space in between so write there aluminum and then put some space in between and then oxide step number two you're going to write the element symbol together with the charges again aluminum is al and the charge is three plus and then oxide that's O, and the charge is a two minus. Now you're going, for step three, you're going to do the crisscross. okay? The subscript of one ion becomes this, oh no, 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 the charge of one ion becomes the subscript of another ion, okay? So the three plus from aluminum will become the subscript of oxygen, that will become O3. And the two minus, uh, the charge of oxygen will become the subscript of aluminum, that will become Al2. Now, step four, you're going to combine them together, that will will give you Al2O3, or aluminum oxide. So, there you have, that is basically the crisscross rule. Just a recap of of the uh, different steps. Step one, write write out a name with space. Step two, write symbols and charge of elements. Step three, crisscross charges as subscripts. And step number four, combine as a formula unit And always take note that one is usually never shown. So by this point, since we are doing this now, you should have a periodic table with you already at most times. Okay, so now, there are also chemical formulas that contain usually parentheses. So what do we do with those? Okay, so here are some rules in dealing with parentheses. Parentheses are used only when the following two conditions are met. Number one there is a radical, or a polyatomic ion present, and, number two, there are two or more of that radical in the formula. Okay, again, the rules for parentheses, uh, uh, you know, only when the two conditions are met. Number one, there's a radical, or a polyatomic ion present, and, number two, there are two or more of that radical in the formula. So here are some examples. Uh, I hope you can take note of this one, we have NaNO3, okay? So, NO3 there is a radical, it's a polyatomic ion. If you have with you right now a periodic table that contains a list of both cations and anions, you're going to see it there, okay? Going back, NaNO3. NO3 there is a radical, but there is only one of it, okay? So, there's no need to put the parentheses. Now, when we go to CO NO3 parenthesis 2, okay? So, okay, I'll just make that clear. CO, it's cobalt, and then parenthesis, inside the parenthesis is NO3, and then outside the parenthesis is another subscript that, is, that contains 2. So, NO3 there is a radical, and there are two of them. That's why there is a need to put a parenthesis. Now let's go to covalent compounds. A covalent compound results when nonmetals share electrons. Okay, this is very important. So covalent compounds only share electrons. Thus, covalent compounds exist as molecules. Naming binary covalent compounds utilizes Greek prefixes to indicate the number of atoms of the element present in the chemical formula. So, now let's talk about binary covalent compounds nomenclature. This is very important for you to take note of. The first element is prefixed and named in a full. Okay? The first element is prefixed and named in full. The second element is, usually, is named using its first few syllables and suffixed with IDE. Okay? The second element is named using its first few syllables and suffixed with IDE the letter a in the prefix is usually dropped when followed by a vowel as in the case of tetroxide and pentoxide okay because originally if i don't know if if you're fond of naming it as tetroxide or pentoxide so we drop the vowel a since it is immediately followed by another vowel o so we just say tetroxide and pentoxide the prefix mono is seldom used on the first element in the formula so a common example for this one is uh say for example if water is not named water then it would be named as dihydrogen oxide why because the chemical formula for water is h2o as it says here rule uh rule number one the first element is prefixed and named in full so how many hydrogens are there there are two and the Greek prefix for two is di, okay? So you have their di now as the prefix, and it says here named in fall. So you just copy the name of the hydrogen. That thus having you, dihydrogen. Now the second element is named using its first few syllables and suffixed with ide. Thus we have now the oxide part. Now putting it together, you have dihydrogen oxide. So that's an example of uh, how to name. Uh, binary covalent compounds but take note some binary covalent compounds are not named systematically but rather take trivial names take for example water water and ammonia these are very common examples of these compounds see if water is not named water well we have to call it dihydrogen oxide every now and then and i guess that's you know it's very tiring for you to speak, um, I don't know. But what do you feel about that one? So yeah, what, what other things or what other compounds do not take or do not follow the binary covalent compounds nomenclature? What other compounds take trivial names? So if you have ideas or if you have research on this, take note of that and and try to question yourself. Why are they named like this? Okay, so that ends our podcast about compounds, what happens when atoms combine. See you again on the next podcast.